But a few things I want to mention before I introduce this morning's guest. Uh, at Pilgrim, over the last few years, we've been blessed with having multiple graduate students, um, four of which are, were seminary students at Regent or Cary. Um, and again, that's super exciting as a pastor uh, to see some of that and some of these uh, leaders and developing leaders and people that are serving in various ways in churches across our community in Vancouver and also here at Pilgrim. One of those students just graduated from Regent College, and his name is Jesse Chu. Um, I told Jesse, I, I said, I'm, I don't know how grandiose of an introduction I'm going to offer, but I'll offer a few things before he comes up to share today. The first thing I'd like to say is Jesse resisted this a lot, and eventually, I don't know why he caved, but he caved after me asking, like, I don't know, was it like 15, 20, 40 times, something like that. Um, and uh, Jesse is, uh, again, just graduated from Regent, but he also has a uh, Juris Doctorate. He has a, has a law degree as well. Um, he is an all-around Renaissance man and uh, many gifts and talents, and we've been delighted to have share him a little bit here at Pilgrim uh, this, this year. Uh, his family is in the United States of America, the country that is between the southern border of Canada and the northern border of Mexico. That makes Jesse a very rare person at Pilgrim Church, along with myself, who happens to be American. Um, so don't hold that against him, Canada. I'm just telling you, he's a good guy. Um, he will be, however, unceremoniously kicked out of the country come December because his visa expires, and so he's going to be uh, visiting family in the West Coast. And I don't know if any of his family's watching today, but thank you for sharing Jesse with us here, and uh, we're honored to have him as a part of our community for this season. Um, so I don't know what else I want to say about Jesse other than he's going to come today and bring the word, and we're excited to have him here as our in-house guest this morning. And so, Jesse, would you come up and Pilgrim and those of you at home, give Jesse a warm welcome as he comes to share the word today. Good morning, everyone. Uh, thanks, Pastor Shaw, for that grandiose introduction. Mostly real, yeah. Just kidding. Yeah, well, it's great to be here with you all, and also hi to those of you joining us via live stream. Uh, today's uh, sermon is based on Luke chapter 15, the whole chapter. Um, so I was, if this weren't COVID times, I would probably ask three peop different people to read the whole chapter to break it up and make it more interesting. But since it's probably not a great idea to have so many people speaking into microphones, I'll just read the whole thing. So I'll try to read it slowly, as quickly as possible. Okay, Luke chapter 15, verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he, Jesus, told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Verse 11. 
And he said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. This is the word of the Lord. All right. Have any of you heard of or seen the movie Kindergarten Cop? All right. See a few hands. Great. Kindergarten Cop. So in case you don't know, it's a movie from 1990 starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. And of all the movies I saw as a kid, I probably saw Kindergarten Cop the most. It's not because I especially liked it or because my family owned the movie. It's because, um, well, my parents, both of them worked full time. So growing up after school, I went to daycare. And during the summers, I went to daycare. And one summer in daycare, the teachers played that movie four or five times. So I, I saw that movie a lot. And there's, in the beginning of the, oh, in the movie, Arnold Schwarzenegger plays a police detective who goes undercover as a kindergarten teacher to try to solve a crime. And in one of the scenes, Arnold is sitting in this kindergarten classroom with these kids in front of him, and he says, in his Arnold voice, which I won't do because we're being live streamed, we're being recorded. But Arnold says, today we're going to play a wonderful game. It's called, Who is Your Daddy and What Does He Do? <laughs> yeah, so some of you might remember that. And today we're going we're gonna to try to answer that question, but it's going to be, Who is Our Heavenly Father and What Does He Do? And we're going to see from Luke 15 that our God, our Heavenly Father, seeks, saves, and celebrates. So I think we have a slide for that. 
God seeks, God saves, and God celebrates. Here in Luke 15, Jesus tells three parables. These three parables are commonly known as the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the prodigal son. And what prompts Jesus to tell these parables? Well, if you look at the beginning of the chapter, you'll see that Uh, Verse 1, the the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear Jesus, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled. So the tax collectors were people who were hated because they were uh, collecting, extracting taxes, oftentimes very heavy taxes, for the colonizing Roman government. And for religious leaders like Pharisees and the Pharisees and the scribes, um, they looked down on people who were, whom they termed sinners. And they saw Jesus as someone who was a religious teacher hanging out with these kinds of people, and it offended them. And Jesus responds by sharing these parables. The first parable, verses 4 through 7, is the parable of lost sheep. In that parable, a shepherd has 100 sheep, and one of them gets lost. The passage says in that this shepherd goes after the one that is lost until he finds it. The shepherd is relentless. He doesn't give up. He will find that lost sheep and bring it home. Uh, I don't know if you know much about sheep, but they're simple creatures. Some might say uh, stupid creatures, and they don't have that many defense mechanisms either. They don't, they're not fast. They're not strong. They don't have shells or fangs or tusks. And this is why they might be not that smart, because they don't know how to work together if a predator comes. And I learned this from one of my classmates at Regent, who has a farm, and she has some farm animals, and one day she and her husband decided to acquire some sheep. And one night a predator came to their farm, or maybe a a group of predators. Uh, And the next morning they found out that Their cows and stuff were all alive, but the sheep, there were sheep carcasses scattered around her farm. And what happened was for her cattle, for cows, what she told me is that when a predator comes, they group together to protect themselves. But when a predator comes to sheep, they scatter. And that's what happened to her sheep. Also, sheep are smelly. Like, have you ever smelled a wet wool sweater? Not that, um, yeah, it's kind of smelly. And imagine a wet wool sweater that's outdoors uh, in the dirt and mud. And that's kind of what a sheep, I imagine, or maybe when I was a kid, I probably went to a farm and smelled the sheep, right? Smelly. So, but in this parable, when we look at verse 5, it says, When the shepherd has found that lost sheep, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. So the shepherd finds this lost, smelly sheep puts it on his shoulders, rejoicing. Does he tell the sheep first to take a bath and shave? No. He takes the sheep as it is. And does the shepherd complain and grumble about the sheep who caused him so much trouble? No. When the shepherd finds that lost sheep, he rejoices. Not only that, but as part of his rejoicing, the Bible says that the shepherd calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep that was lost. 
The shepherd is just so overjoyed that he invites his friends and neighbors over to his house for a party. Now, what's the heavenly reality that Jesus wants us to understand here? He says, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need, who need no repentance. The reality here is that when a sinner repents, God and the angels rejoice. They celebrate. This parable uses one of the most common and beloved understandings of God, that God is our shepherd. For example, um, what's the psalm, what psalm in the Bible is the most well-known? Yeah, Psalm 23. And how does that psalm begin? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Also in the Old Testament, we can look at uh, Ezekiel chapter 34, where it says, uh, For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself will, so, will search for my sheep and will seek them out. And then in verse 15, it says, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. And in the New Testament, for example, in John chapter 10, Jesus says that he is the good shepherd. John chapter 10, verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Throughout the Bible, God wants us to understand that he is our shepherd and that he is a good shepherd. Now let's look at the second parable from Luke chapter 15. In it, a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one of them. The word that we have here in English as silver coin is the Greek word, which we usually transliterate into English as drachma. A drachma is worth about one day's wages. So, losing one of the, so in this parable, losing a silver coin is not like today how we might lose a nickel or a quarter. It's losing one day's wages. Now, to give us an idea of how much one day's wages would be, I found out that in 2019 in Canada, there were 251 working days. And then I did found out from the most recent census, which was from 2016, that the median individual income in Canada in 2015 was $34,204. So if we look at, if you do the math, we'll, turn, it's, we'll learn that one day's wages for, uh, median in, for the median individual, okay, there's no such thing as a meat, okay. Uh, yeah, $136 per day. So for the woman in this parable, we can think about it as each silver coin is $136. Now let's move on to verses 8 through 10, that section. Or what woman, having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is one... There is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. According to a commentary I read as I researched for this message, um, because this woman lights a lamp to search her house for this coin, it's very likely that this woman was poor because uh, poor people at that time lived in homes with no windows. And it's also likely that these 10 silver coins, these 10 drachma, are all the money she has. So 
for her, it's losing one-tenth of her wealth. So imagine if you had lost one-tenth of your wealth, and then you found it. Wouldn't you be really happy? And maybe today, if, we, if something, some great news happened to us, we would share it on all our social media accounts. And for this woman, the way of celebrating, of, uh, of rejoicing, was throwing a party, inviting her friends and neighbors over. And today, if we throw a party and invite our friends and neighbors over, what's one thing we have to prepare or provide? Yeah, food. Food and drink, exactly. Hand sanitizer. Hand sanitizer, exactly. Yes, that's true, yeah, in these COVID times. Actually, yeah, we shouldn't even have social gatherings these days. Um, so, as much as hospitality matters to us and being a good host, it mattered even more back then in that culture. So you can imagine this woman really put on uh, a great party with good food and drink. Even, th if she, even if she might have been poor, she would have had a good party with good food and drinks. Now, doesn't that seem a bit extravagant? But I think that's the point that Jesus wants to make with this parable, that God's love for us is extravagant, and he rejoices over us when we turn to him, when he has sought and found us. That's how much God loves us and values us. Speaking of the word extravagant, let's move on to the third parable, which is commonly known as the parable of the prodigal son. Prodigal, which is a word we don't use that often these days, means, uh, according to this definition from Ox the Oxford Dictionary, it means spending money or using resources freely and recklessly, wastefully extravagant, having or giving something on a lavish scale. So a better title for this sermon uh, might be the prodigal father because the main point of this parable is not the son's wasteful extravagance, but the father's quote-unquote wasteful extravagance. Um, so let's get into this sermon, starting at verse 11. Luke chapter 15, verse 11 through 16. And he said, and he, Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. All right, we'll get, get into the rest of that later. So here we have a father, a story of a father and two sons. The younger son asks his father for his share of the inheritance. So under ancient Jewish law, as the younger son, he would have received half of what the older son received. So, he's asked, so he would have received one-third of his father's estate. Can you imagine being a parent, and while you are still alive, one of your children says to you, give me my share of the inheritance? Isn't that shocking? And it would have been even more shocking back then in a culture, in a time where uh, children were, ex much more respect was expected from children towards their parents. So basically, the younger son is saying to his father, the most important thing to me about you is your wealth, and I would like it right now. So the son takes the inheritance, goes to a foreign land, and squanders all the money in wild living. And not only does he run out of money, but a famine hits the land, and he finds himself in dire straits. This younger son hires himself out to a citizen of that country to feed pigs, which 
shows us how desperate he is because for a Jewish person of that time, to be near pigs was um, detestable or repugnant. And apparently the, the, the son still didn't have enough uh, funds to buy food to eat because he longed to eat what the pigs were eating. So as a result, he hatches a plan to try to survive. And his plan, we learn in verse 17, is to go, return to his father and say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. So that was verse 19. So this son plans to return home, repent to his father, and offer himself to be one of his father's hired servants. And the Greek word here, used here for hired servants is one word, mystheos, which means paid worker, so kind of like employee. So he's hoping that he can come back and just be one of his father's employees to this father that he um, just said, I, don't, I just want your money. Now, this father has every right to not accept this request, but how does this, how does this father respond? Let's look at uh, Luke chapter 15, verse 20. And this younger son arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And so on. Notice in verse 20, how does the father respond? While the younger son was still a long way off, the father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. So the father doesn't feel anger. He feels compassion. And the word that we see here, embraced, the English word, he embraced him, is actually a Greek word that means to fall upon or to press on. And it's the same Greek word we see in the book of Acts when the Holy Spirit falls on the new Christians. So here in this parable, the father is so overjoyed and moved by compassion to see his son that even before the son gets to the house, while he is still a long ways off, the father runs out of the house and doesn't just give his son a bow or a handshake, but he falls upon his son. He embraces him and kisses him. Not only that, but the father doesn't even, uh, he, he doesn't give time for the son to say this um, script that he had prepared. So if you look at the next slide, we can compare what the son planned to say and what the son actually got to say. The son planned to say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And if you look at verse 21, we see that the son says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But he doesn't get to finish the rest of his script. Before he can finish, the father says, it's as if he's saying, nonsense. You're back. I'm so happy. Let's celebrate. And moreover, the, the son was planning to come back and just be one of his father's employees. But how does, and just take on this, the status or the identity of an employee. But what does the father do? Let's look at verses 22 through 24. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe 
put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. Now, does a boss put the best robe and a ring on an employee? No. That's, this, is something that, this is something that a father and a, ch a child would do. And moreover, although the son just wanted to come back as an employee, what does the father say in verses 23 and 24? He says, for this my son was dead and is alive again. My son. So if there had been any questions in the minds of the servants who were watching all of this, what would happen to the son? The father just clears up any doubt. This person is my son. This, that's the identity of this person. Now, there are two sons, right? Now, what about the older son? He is so upset when he learns about the news and his father's celebration. Uh, let's look at verses 25. Now, the, his older son, his, now, his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. Uh, let's skip down to, oh, almost there. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. So in verses 29 and 30, look at how the young, older brother refers to his younger brother. He doesn't say, oh, when my younger brother came back, you did this. He says, oh, when this son of yours, as if he's so offended that he's distancing himself from his brother. Oh, this son of yours. And although the younger brother, when he came back, when he returned, was willing to be hired as one of his father's servants, the older brother already sees himself as one of his father's slaves or servants. In verse 29, he says to his father, look, these many years I have served you. And the Greek word used there for served is, uh, means to slave, be subject to, to obey. And it's the same word, a root as the Greek word doulos, which means slave or servant. So the older brother sees himself as a slave already. So in a way, the older brother is lost too. Even though he's physically living in his father's home as a son, he thinks that he is a slave. And what does the father say to the older son? Verse 31, and he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. So the father states the truth about his older son's identity and status. He's not a slave, he is a son. And the father says, all that is mine is yours, and you are always with me. So his identity as a son is secure forever, always. Also, look at these three parables overall, like uh, together. In each parable, the stakes, what's at stake, intensifies. First, we have 100 sheep, and one is lost. Then we have 10 drachma, 10 silver coins, and one is lost. And then in the third parable, we have two children, and one is lost. So what's at stake uh, yeah, increases and intensifies. These three parables paint an, imagery, uh, paint an image of the mystery 
of God's salvation. God seeks and save us, but we also have to turn around and repent, right? In the first two parables, the, coin, uh, the sheep and the coin, they did nothing. They were helpless. Uh, God did all the seeking and saving. But in the third parable, we see that the son kind of realizes his situation and makes the effort to return to his father's presence. And there we see some of the mystery of salvation. And uh, speaking of this saving, another we talked about Psalm 23, a really well-known passage. There's another really well-known passage from the New Testament that I'd like to share, John 3.16, and also John 3.16.17. I think we'd have a slide for that, John 3.16-17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Uh, also, I'd like to invite the music team to come on stage. So God sent his son to save us. God did the seeking and the saving. But we also have to turn around, repent, and return to God. Uh, for example, in Acts chapter 3, the apostle Peter is preaching and he tells the crowd, Repent therefore and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So, Again, the mystery of salvation. God seeks and saves. He does all the hard work. He did all the hard work. And yet, at the same time, we must re repent and return to God. And when we are restored to right relationship with God, when we are in his presence again, what happens? God and the angels rejoice. God celebrates. And in the third parable, there's also something use, uh, helpful there for us, too, that whether we feel maybe identify more with the younger son or the older son, God's response to us is the same, that we are his children and that we are with him forever. God is so happy to have us home with him in his presence. He rejoices, he celebrates. So going back to the question that Arnold Schwarzenegger asked those kids, who is your daddy and what does he do? Well, we learned we know that our Heavenly Father seeks, saves, and celebrates.